We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, hey there. How are we doing today? What's a day to start a new show? We've got a lot coming your way on today's debut edition of IB Nation Sports Talk. We got a few comments in our queue welcoming me here to uh, to IB Nation Irish Breakdown. Thanks to all the uh, you know the people who've uh, posted your comments already. But uh, you know, if you've watched other shows on the Irish Breakdown YouTube channel here, I'm obviously a new face, but. Thanks to Brian Driscoll, he's done a pretty good job of at least publicizing the fact that I'm going to be here. Again, if you've listened to the podcast on any of the audio podcast platforms, I'm a new voice as well. But hopefully we're going to get to know each other a lot more closely as time goes by. My name, Sean Styers, and while I'm new to Irish Breakdown platforms, you know, I've been around Notre Dame football, been around other sports at Notre Dame for a long time. I'm kind of like if you watched Lost back in the day, I'm, I'm like Richard Alpert. I've been around for a lot longer than I'd probably care to admit. But unlike Richard, as you can see, I've got a few more gray hairs to show for it. And I also can't travel through time like Richard either. But uh, uh, just Quick background on me. I've mostly worked in radio here in South Bend for more than 20 years, covering Notre Dame football since the woeful Bob Davey years and, you know, through the last four head coaches that followed him as well. I guess five, actually, if you count George O'Leary. But I've hosted daily Notre Dame-related talk shows and football pregame and postgame shows. I've done play-by-play Notre Dame baseball back in the day. That's going to be a topic coming up here in a little bit. Women's basketball play-by-play. For Notre Dame as well. So, you know, in addition to doing this podcast four days a week, I'm also going to be doing Notre Dame women's basketball radio broadcast this upcoming season once again. So looking forward to all of this. I do appreciate Brian Driscoll for giving me this opportunity. He and I worked together for <clears throat> another website a few years back. And, you know, it's great to be back together working with him. And, and uh, you know, again, Vince D'Addario and I, we've worked together and he'll, you'll be hearing from him in a little bit. But that's just a little bit about me for those who don't know me yet. But for those who do know me and have listened over the years, one, glad to have you along for the ride with us. But, uh, you know, what's going to be great about this podcast, I think, is it's going to be very familiar for you if you've listened 
before to any of my shows over the years. You're going to feel like you've been there before. It's kind of like Top Gun Maverick. Have you seen Top Gun Maverick yet? You know, I have to admit, I was fairly skeptical at first that they could pull it off, especially, I mean, it's been 36 years, but they made a movie that if you've seen the first one, which I have, you know, at least a hundred times, I think, and I'm not really exaggerating there, but if you saw the first Top Gun and then you watched Top Gun Maverick, it was like, to me, it was like walking into a room full of people that you know, and you just want to hang out with some more. You know, from the opening scene, they're back on a carrier and and you've got the Harold Faltermeyer, you know, kind of tones playing. And then you're right into Kenny Loggins in danger zone. And then boom, you know, like Maverick's breaking the rules once again with the Mach 10 testing and, and all that stuff. He's back at Top Gun and there's Goose Rooster, you know, singing great balls of fire, just like his dad did. And then even, I'm not going to spoil anything here, but even the Jennifer Conley character, she, you know, she's Penny, the owner of the bar in this new one. She wasn't in the first one but do you remember that line that maverick had about there was a, a line about dating an admiral's daughter in the first one that was penny she was the admiral's daughter so i mean they even weave that in there and then of course there's ice man and the callback you know to the relationship with ice maverick stuff like that over the years and you know of course they also worked in you know a, a talk to me goose and and all the good stuff instead of beach volleyball you've got beach football but it was again it was like Going back to a family reunion, only it's the people you actually want to be around, not the obnoxious uncles and cousins that you can't stand. So it's familiar. And that's what I hope this show is going to be for those of you who have listened in the past. Familiar. Brian did a couple of segments a week with me back on my last radio show. He'll be checking in every now and then. And again, Vince D'Addario and I have known each other and done radio together for, man, Again, I mean, you can see the gray hairs, but it's been like 18 years. We're going on 18 years, I think. So, you know, he'll be here a couple of days a week, starting with tonight. We had a segment called Rapid Fire on my last show. That is coming here with me. We'll be doing that in a little bit. The guys who did Rapid Fire with me, including Vince, Jesse, Bobby, you'll meet all of them over the next few days as well here on this show. So I think it's going to be a lot of Fun. You know, we don't have a bunch of inside jokes, you know, that you're not going to get if you haven't listened before and all that kind of stuff. But the big thing is we just want to hang out with you. And, you know, we're looking forward to hang you hanging out with us as well. So let's get things going. Uh, we're going to talk a lot of College World Series here in a minute. I just want to say, you know, this is typically going to be a Notre Dame football show, predominant Notre Dame football show. But, but you know, big happenings over the weekend in the world of baseball for Notre Dame. But, you know, football's king. Uh, we're going to talk about other Notre Dame sports as well. We're going to be talking Notre Dame football year round. And, you know, probably at least 90% of the time, the show is going to start with some Notre Dame football. But, you know, this this isn't going to be like a recruiting heavy kind of show, you know, because we have other specific recruiting people to go, you know, deeper on that. But before we get to our main topic of the day, I mean, recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. Am I right? Marcus Freeman and his staff just, you know, they keep landing the recruits. They get CJ Carr. Five-star quarterback out of Michigan's backyard last week. It was it was pretty enjoyable to see Grandpa Lloyd wearing that Notre Dame baseball cap. You know, I thought that was that was a pretty good shot. And then, you know, you got the commitments from a couple offensive linemen from the 2023 class over the weekend as well. Elijah Page, Joe Otting. You know, so it's exciting because there's just so much buzz around this program right now, and it is only going to continue. But uh, with that. 
I'm going to bring Vince D'Addario in right now, and uh, I'll let himself I'll, I'll let him open the door and and let himself in here because you know we're going to have plenty of topics here in a few minutes. Hello, Vince. Hey, what's going on, Sean? Good to see you, buddy. Dude, I am fired up, man. Like this, I. <laughs> I love being on the ground floor stuff. That's why I, I really enjoyed, uh-huh. you know, uh, starting, you know, the old SSS back in the day, the SSS, man. <laughs> like I, I shot that in a text to you the other day and I was like, Oh, this felt good. Just to throw the old SSS out there. That's and right. then starting up inside the Sean Steyer show is what yes. it was called at one point. So. Back in uh, 2005, I want right. to say. You can't start off with something inside Woo. after I just said there's not going to be inside stuff. <laughs> you know, I know, like, right. But well. the fact that you just see, it helps me though, that you said it's going to be 18 years because then that means that's what my anniversary is with my wife. So that helps me remember how long we've been married because right. you and I met a few weeks before my wedding. So yes, that is how far back we go. And I am so fired up. Like, I was so disappointed for you. And within 24 hours, I was like, this works out great for me. The worm <laughs> so, turn, baby. It was great. Because <laughs> right. it's it always was, about Vince. You know, all I'm it's saying. like if it's good for Vince, it's good, you know, in Vince's world. So. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. <laughs> worked out great for me. And, uh, right. and I think it's going to work out great for you and, and Irish Breakdown. And I'm fired up, man, because yep. we get to continue on with what we've been doing for 18 years. And it's going to be a good. The only problem is people got to look at us. As we do it, that's the only problem I see at this point. But uh, it's nice to have the sultry sounds of Sean Styers on Irish Breakdown, man. <laughs> it's always nice to be told that I have sultry sounds as well. Part of it's my allergies. So, but I, you're, you're preaching to the choir. As you're preaching to the choir it's, on that one. They're killing me right now. And talk to uh, I. It, it's fun with all this stuff that's going on with Notre Dame baseball right now because between social media. And just, you know, like texts and phone calls and stuff I've heard from. And I and I guess I should say, again, for, for people who don't know me, I said I did Notre Dame baseball. So from 2001 through 2008, I did both Notre Dame baseball and Notre Dame women's basketball radio play-by-play. So in 2001, I was fortunate to call uh, Notre Dame women's basketball's first national championship. And then right. just a little more than a year later... <laughs> Here comes Paul Maneri taking Notre Dame to the College World Series, and, and I got to do that as well. Paul's going to join me later in this show as well, the Hall of Famer who just retired about a year ago uh, down in LSU. We're not going to like reminisce about a bunch of old 2002 stuff. I've done a lot of that with him over the years. <laughs> We're going to talk about this year's College World Series team and get some of his thoughts. He actually talked to these guys back in the fall. He came up, his son Nick. Uh, works at Notre Dame and uh, you know so they came up they went to a Notre Dame football game and uh, Link Jarrett found out he was on campus invited him over to talk to his team back in uh, October I guess it was and and uh, you know they've continued to develop their they knew each other obviously before that but they've continued to develop that relationship but we're going to get a lot of Paul's comments on this team I tell you what he knows this team inside and out so which is impressive by itself it is. because it's he's amazing. been he's been away from the Notre Dame program for so long I mean yeah. and the fact that you know he's that Notre Dame still obviously holds a special place in his heart I mean he won a national championship down at LSU but no one before Link Jarrett had done for Notre Dame ba- baseball what Paul Maneri did for Notre Dame baseball and yeah. they have sorely lacked that leadership since he left and 
he holds this place very, very close to his heart. And I, I have a feeling if Notre Dame was located pretty much anywhere else geographically, <laughs> he probably wouldn't have gone anywhere else. But no, you're right. I get it. I mean, I understand it. It stinks, but I, I totally understand, you know, why he left. Yeah. Uh, it, and, you you know, like if, if Notre Dame was located, what, a couple hundred miles south, like if Notre Dame was in Louisville, Kentucky, instead of Louisville, where you right. can play college baseball games at home in February, you know, which you can't up here. You know, it still gets a little chilly down there. It's amazing how much warmer it is just right on the other side <laughs> of the state of Indiana, you know, in, in right. February compared to here. I think you're absolutely right. I, I think that there would have been, a, you know, a different attitude about college baseball at Notre Dame if they were in just a little bit warmer climate yeah. than what they are. And I think you're right. I think that, you know, that's – that's part of part of it. You know, there were a lot of yeah. layers to Paul leaving. But, there you know, were. again, like, if you're a few hours south, you've probably got better attendance, which leads to, you know. Better stadium, more money, stadium, all better, of it. Yeah. All these different things. That's Absolutely. Right. No doubt. But that's our main topic today. We were, you know, we were originally, like, going into the weekend, the plan was, well, of course we're going to start with Notre Dame football. This is, <laughs> this is Irish breakdown. Right. But – we're going to start with the most relevant topic of the day, and that is Notre Dame getting back to the College World Series for the first time since Pulmonary's 2002 College World Series team. So it's you know, it's very excited, exciting. I'm excited about it. Brian's going to send me out there at the end of this week, so I'm excited about that to get back into Omaha. I'll be bringing Irish Breakdown Nation you know, coverage from out there in Omaha. That's going to be a heck of a lot of fun. Maybe some other stuff going on too, but you know, maybe we'll, uh, we'll as see. The week goes on. I, uh, let's keep our fingers crossed, but we don't need to. We don't need to go. No, no, we don't. We know something for no, sure. we don't. Right? Believe me. But it had been twenty years. Twenty years. Twenty between. I'm pretty sure it was twenty years in a day from when they wrapped up the series against Florida State, right? And so that's that's a very good point. Because yeah. on Friday, Friday was the twentieth anniversary. Uh, you know, the, the start of the Tennessee Super Regional, that was the 20th anniversary of Notre Dame wrapping up the Florida State okay, there you Super go. Regional in 2002. Yeah, yep. so, and they beat number one Florida State down at Tallahassee, and then 20 years almost to the day later, they go into Tennessee and they beat number one Tennessee in Knoxville. I mean, the parallels are just, the, the parallels are crazy. I mean, absolutely it really crazy. Is. It really is that, you know, the fact that they had to go on the road to beat the number one team in the nation. And I had somebody ask me over the weekend, you know, like, was 2002 as big an upset as this one? Well, they were both the number one ranked team in the country. Right. But, you know, it's apples and oranges. But that Florida State team had won 25 straight games going into the, that Super Regional, which is amazing itself. So you've got one team, the Florida State team, that had won 25 straight going into that one, and this Tennessee team that was what, but like 56 and seven or yeah, whatever it was. Right. So yeah, I think they lost two games at home all season or whatever the record yeah. was, like 37 and two, some, something ridiculous like that. And Notre Dame was able to take two of three. And frankly, I think I said to this to you on the phone, they pretty much held in control that entire series except one inning uh, in game two when they gave up the eight spot, that crooked number. They pretty much held Tennessee in check well, the rest of the way. And that's, you know, again, like when you look at in the story that I wrote yesterday, the, 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 the recap of the game, I did 
a little deja vu down at the bottom, if you saw it, there were a lot of parallels, you know, when we just talked about, you know, the one beating number one. But so both teams in both cases, 20 years ago and this past weekend, both Notre Dame teams won the opener and they both got out to a pretty good lead in the first game. Second game, they both lose. And, you know, again, I, you know, does it matter? I don't know. But like, the opposing team used an eight-run inning in both games to huh. win what ended up being, a, you know, a somewhat lopsided game two. And then, of course, Notre Dame won both game threes and and uh, both sent them to Omaha. So it's really amazing, just like the parallels that these teams yeah. have. And, like, when you look at the way they go about their business, there's a lot of similarities as well. Like, Link doesn't sacrifice bunt and – you know, hit and run and do some of that stuff to the degree that Paul probably did back then, but he still does a lot of it. You know, they, they're able to manufacture some runs that to me and like texting with my son in the game, like that Tennessee catcher did not have a very impressive arm and the way Notre Dame likes to run. I said, all Notre Dame's got to do is get some guys on base and they can manufacture anytime they want. Unfortunately, they ran into three outs on the basis, you know, before they finally, you know, started scoring later on. But, you know, that's the kind of team they are. You know, they can they can grind you. They, you know, they just they just put the ball in play. They don't hit into a lot of double plays. You know, they'll they'll run bases. They hit and run when they need to. You know, it's it's they're a lot of fun to watch, obviously. And if you watch this weekend, you know what I'm talking about. Well, they are a lot of fun to watch. And I think that they bring they can kind of morph into whatever team they need to be in yeah. order to win the game that is in front of them, right? Like we've seen them win. So if you even just take the playoffs, right? They can be a home run hitting team if they need to be, right? I mean, it, it was two home runs that got them to tie the game and then take the lead, but they can also do the small ball. There was, there was one point in the game where Notre Dame stole second and the very next pitch, they stole third, like boom, boom. Right. You know, it's, they are who they need to be. And then I think it was a ground ball to second base and it scores that run. And I think that was the first run of the ball game for Notre Dame. But either way, they they know how to score. They know how to win. They are a very veteran team, which I really liked. I mean, they, they use the transfer portal to their advantage because there's a ton more baseball players out there that have these fifth and sixth years of eligibility because of COVID. Right. And Notre Dame took advantage of that. Look, it's the same thing for football guys where if you try to get in a transfer from the transfer portal, getting an undergrad is a completely different conversation than bringing in somebody who already has their degree. And Link did a really good job of hitting that transfer portal and bringing in guys who already had their degree and use them. And it was a lot of the guys that were on the mound and use them really, really, really well over this playoff run so far. Well, you know, I don't know what, you know, like the back and forth was before with like the previous coaches and stuff like that. Like I know – Back to the Dave Shrag, you know, I, I, I did you had the tail end. You had the beginning yeah, of him, right? I had the beginning of the Shrag era. Yeah. I kind of, you know, the radio contract move. Chuck Freebie was doing it on another station. I would fill in for Chuck every now and then. So I'd still right, get to right. travel I with Shrag that. and Aoki and stuff like that. But, you know, so I got, you know, so I knew the both staffs fairly well. But I, I don't, like Shrag, I know, brought in a grad transfer Early on, he didn't do a whole lot of that. He brought in another kid from Indiana State once. You know, he had like six first basemen on the team and stuff like that. But (laughs) roster management. But, you know, like (laughs) my point is I'm not like you really didn't see a whole lot of that, it seemed like, from Mickey Aoki. So, again, I don't don't know what the conversation was between 
know, can we do this? You know, were they really allowed to? Is that something Link pushed for? Those kind of things. But you're absolutely right. He, you know, this is year three, and he was able to fill some really important holes with some transfers early on. They had the Cole Hep kid, a fireballer, you know, out of the bullpen last year who got drafted right away. And obviously, John Michael Bertrand, the last two years, JD's brother, has, you know, proven to, to be an ace. And who would have seen that coming when he left Furman? You know, you just wouldn't have thought that it, based on the numbers that he had at Furman, you wouldn't have thought. You yeah. know, Chuck Ristano, a guy who's been here for 12 years now yep. as the pitching coach, has done an amazing job with this pitching staff as well. You know, they've they've got one of the top ERAs in the country. They're you know they're really good. They're really good pitching. They're really good defense. And just what we were talking about, they do enough offensively. And I think and I've got a story that's going to be coming out here within the next couple of days. I think the the kind of offense they have, it plays well at what now is Charles Schwab Stadium. It used to be TD TD Ameritrade Park in Omaha. It's now Charles Schwab, as Paul Maneri reminded me. But <laughs> so uh, in Charles Schwab Park, it, it's you know it's a big big dimensions. It's really similar to Frank X Stadium dimension wise. Notre Dame is not a home run reliant team, and those kind of teams tend to do very well once they get to the College World yeah. Series. So I'm excited to see what these guys are able to do. Oh, absolutely, and I they they. And Notre Dame, they, they started a couple of true freshmen there for a while. I know they started the season with a true freshman, and then their a true freshman was playing second base, I do believe, uh, because of injury. And now they've kind of taken those guys out and inserted veterans into that group. And it just made the overall age a little, you know, a little bit more. I mean, they're, they're a veteran group. So it's it's exciting, man. I, I was watching it on the big screen at uh, football camp in the big in the IAC and in the, in the indoor facility, and it was so cool to see that. First of all, a double play to end the game was uh-huh. freaking great, and the entire football staff just started going nuts. You know, they're like, "Yeah, here we go, World Series!" You know, I mean, it's so cool the the relationship that the staff has with or all the staffs on campus have with each other, and they're all rooting for each other and. There's, it doesn't appear to be any animosity between stabs and things like that. So that part was cool all by itself. But, man, what a cool series. And it couldn't have happened to a bigger POS than Tennessee. That's all yeah, I Yeah, you know, and there's – Not unhappy there's, about that. There's, again, you know, not a parallel, but some symmetry to this whole journey now when you, when you have the pulmonary connection because that's where Paul's career ended a year ago. He was uh, LSU – lost to Super Regional at Tennessee. They were swept in two games, and then that was the last game of his career. And I I remember watching that on TV, and those Tennessee fans were nasty. You know, and, Mm -hmm. like, they they had the classless T-shirts, and that's exactly what they were. It's like, this is a Hall of Fame Fame coach (sighs) who is literally one of the best people that you are ever going to meet. And this is – you're heckling this man in his last game as you're finally getting to the College World Series. So, you know, there was some comeuppance that, that, that they got from Link Jarrett and, uh, and that squad this weekend. And it was also really cool to see this year's team holding up that, that big 2002 College World Series banner. They brought it yeah. with them. I guess Link said they've been hanging it up in the locker room all year long. They brought it with them down there to Knoxville. So, so that was really cool. As well, we're getting a lot of comments here. I saw someone said they'd work for beer. I think if they could come to Omaha, 
with us this week. So <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think, well, somebody said they want to cover if you, hockey. If you give me the beer, beer I but, might, I, you know, I might yeah, consider that. Exactly. <laughs> There's room in the truck, baby. But right. we did, we got, hey, look at this. First super chat of Uh-oh. the uh, IB Nation Sports Talk history from Troll Hunter. Thank you very much. Nice. Appreciate that. So we got a super chat already. So thank you very much. So what do we awesome. do with that, Vince? You're, you're kind of pseudo producer here. Yeah, we, we kind of bring it up. We talk about it and then we uh, move on. Okay. All right. <laughs> so there we go. So that's All good right. stuff, man. Appreciate that very, very much. Very, thank very control, much. Hunter. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. Well, what? Let, let me ask you this. What stood out to you? Anything in particular from, you know, about Notre Dame? You know, and just the way they won, anything they yeah. did, anything stand out to you from that Super Regional win this weekend? Well, I think the biggest thing that stood out to me is, you know, you just got done talking about the uh, the classless versus the Catholics, you know, shirts that they were wearing and how, you know, Tennessee just embraced that whole mantra of nonsense. And it was polar opposites with the way that Notre Dame plays the game and the way that Tennessee plays the game. And... I've always coached my teams the way that Link Jarrett coaches his team. And I know you did the same thing when you were a high school baseball coach as well. There's there's room for excitement. Don't get me wrong. I'm one of the most excited people you'll ever meet in a game situation. I'll hop a fence and, yep. and, and, and get excited and cheer for a double play or a great play or a big hit or whatever. Uh, and, and when I coached football, I was the same way. I, you know, running down the sidelines and all that fun stuff. But there's a time and a place for that, and there is still respect in the game. And watching Notre Dame and the way that they play the game versus the way that Tennessee played the game, it was like polar opposites. And you almost had to pick a side. Like, you couldn't even be neutral just watching that series. It's like, okay, well, either I subscribe to the way Tennessee plays or I subscribe to the way Notre Dame plays. Pick a side because there's nobody in the middle. And right. for me, it's very easy to root for a team like Notre well, Dame. You know, look – and. Notre Dame guys get excited too. You know, they, they, you know, they, 
they they show a little emotion. The difference is, and this kind of goes to what you're just talking about. Like when I when I did coach, you know, we talked about I don't ever want you talking to the other team or you know that kind of stuff. You know, you can you can get fired up. You know, you can do absolutely whatever you want. Just don't say any. Just don't say it to the other team. You know, like amongst yourselves, whatever you want. You know, we didn't. We didn't have to get into bat flips. Fortunately, we didn't have any bat flippers. Or anything like that, but <laughs> we don't have enough home runs for bat flippers. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I think the thing that stood out to me was above anything else was just the poise. You know, in the face yes. of all that, the poise that yes. Notre Dame had, and and. The poison, the approach, and the preparation, because that's that's what strikes me about these Link Jarrett teams watching them is, especially the guys when they step into the batter's box, they're never fooled by anything. You know, they're, they're up there looking for solid contact. They're looking to, you know, for a specific pitch in certain zones, in certain situations, and they're just looking for solid contact. And like this weekend, the home runs came. You know, they're not a home run team, but they end up right. hitting seven home runs in part because it's a bandbox down there in that Knoxville, but also because they weren't fooled. They got the barrel to the ball and, yep. and, you know, let, let, let the barrel and the ball do all the work. And, you know, they, they ended up with some home runs as a result. And I've seen some comments about the freshman kid, Jack Findlay, yeah. you know, the lefty and that kid was amazing. Obviously five in five scoreless innings yesterday. He gave them everything they needed two appearances seven total innings, one run and seven strikeouts. He gave him the equivalent of a start over, yeah. you know, two starts and a big difference as well to me. And again, this, this to me showed Tony Vitello's arrogance going into this series. I think he totally overlooked Notre Dame because yeah. again, it's like, here's this team from the North. Who are they? We're the number one team. He bought into all of, you know, everyone's hype about his team. I think they overlooked him, and, on Friday, when Notre Dame had the big lead, they go to their big gun, Ben Joyce, out of the bullpen. This is a guy who's bringing 102 miles an hour, but they burn him for for over three innings. You know, a guy. You know, so so you're talking about a guy, you know, who high leverage type stuff, but that he goes for over three innings in 64 pitches. They couldn't go back to him the rest of the weekend, right? You know, right. And, and it's a lopsided game. Now, granted. He stemmed the tide, and Tennessee sure. was able to get close. But he allowed them to come back and make it look like it was close. It was 8-6, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. Jesse, my son, and I, you know, and he played college ball as well. Like, we're texting. It's like, you're burning him too quick. You know, you're going to need him probably on Sunday. And In a game really... that was over. I mean, let's yeah. be honest. They, they, like, Notre Dame was playing that game. And I don't want—I don't mean this in a negative way. They were playing it not to lose. Like, they were, they were in a situation where they had a big lead, and they were kind of playing it that way. And yeah. Tennessee was kind of scratching back. They were kind of doing some things, but sometimes you just got to play for the next game. You know what I mean? And and they didn't do that at all. And I, they thought that they were going to come back and win that game. No, and and okay, I get that, but you can't burn that guy the way that they did because Notre Dame really had no answers for him yep. when he was on the mound, and yep. he could have been very very helpful to Tennessee in Game Three when it was a three to one game, right? If they're yep. Tennessee's up three to one, you bring that kid in. It might be a different outcome. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that, I think that's, you know, like if they hadn't burned him Friday, that's who they wanted to go to and who they would have gone to yesterday. And maybe the game turns out completely different. But, right. hey, 
Notre Dame's not going to cry for him. None of us are going to cry no, for him, sir. You know? So it, that was it awesome. Yeah, worked out and well. I want to I want to throw this comment up here because uh, Stymie Snurdly says Irish opened the series with a purpose. First pitch fastball belted on a rope to the gap. Yep. I thought that they handled, and you kind of mentioned this about how they handled the environment and they handled the pressure. They were unfazed by that Knoxville crowd. Absolutely unfazed, and yep. he's and Stymie's absolutely correct. That first pitch. Pretty much said it all. It set well, the tone for the whole series. Like, and like you wonder, play. and this will be maybe a good question for when, you know, before they head to Omaha, I know they're going to do a media session, but the crowd in Starkville, Mississippi last year for Mississippi State, um, I think, you know, that crowd was like triple what they probably had in Knoxville. They set records. This weekend. Didn't yeah. they for super regional attendance? Yeah. Didn't they? I, I think that that I think that playing in that environment last year definitely helped them for this environment. Yeah, this year, no doubt, yeah. no doubt. It, either way, it was fun. Notre Dame's going to the College World Series for the first time in twenty years. I'm fired up. I'm excited. I am so jealous that you get to go. And <laughs> yeah, that's what I'll say right there. So we'll well, we'll see. We better get into some rapid fire questions yes. because I've got the interview with Paul Maneri coming up. That's here. right. Forgot about a little that. bit. So, scale of one to ten, rate Notre Dame baseball's home run celebration. You know what? I love it because we talked about class. We talked about you know being excited. You know, getting together with your own team. Their their little boom celebration where they all kind of you know jump up and down. It is so much different than what Tennessee does with their with their cover in their eyes and like. I don't even know. I don't even understand what that is, but it almost seems like more disrespectful, whatever the heck they're doing. And Notre Dame, they celebrate together as a team exactly. and they wait for Notre Dame, for the guy who hit the home run. He hits home plate. He walks towards the dugout. They're at the entrance of the dugout when they do it. They're, you know, they're on their own home turf, essentially. It's about them. Yes. Yeah, it's about exactly them. Right. And that's what I love about it. I think it's and fantastic. it's cool. Yeah. They're not, you know, they're not like slamming bats down and, you know, doing everything. Putting else. on a, putting on a fur coat, you yeah, know, they're yeah. not doing any of that nonsense. Right. <laughs> I see a comment there about the jacket. That was like, you know, <laughs> you know, like you've got like what, you know, like, the, you know, like the, what was that that Miami had a few years back with the chain and all that? Oh stuff? yeah, and yeah, yeah. Everyone's yeah. got like their different, you know, like they would have the turnover, you know, and it's like the the mink coat that they had. That was awful looking, I thought. But yeah, you know, it's like Notre Dame guys circle the bases. They come over, the whole team's huddled up there, and you know, they kind of like put the hammer down and yeah. the boom that everybody does. I think it's one of the cooler home run celebrations there is because it's all about, again, it's all about the team and celebrating yes. with your team. Exactly. So, so it, it was cool. a scale of one to 10, right? It's 10. I mean, it's, yes. it's, it's a 10 for me. Um, okay. So Notre Dame is going to play Texas in its college world series opener. We don't know for sure the date and time yet, but we think it's going to be Friday sometime. So interesting. The last time the Irish, by the way, were in Omaha, Texas was in their bracket. They didn't get to play them because of the, you know, double elimination format and all that stuff. But, um, Oklahoma and Texas A&M also in the bracket with the Irish and the Longhorns. So you basically got four football programs there. You've got Notre Dame, Texas, Oklahoma, Texas A&M all on the same side of the bracket together. So scale of one to 10, how do you rate the chances each of those four schools also makes the college football playoffs within the next five years? Ooh, yeah, it's the next five years is the kicker there because if you just do this year, 
I feel like Oklahoma and Texas and Texas A&M are kind of in the, the three to four range. You know what I mean? I think they're they're below the Mason-Dixon line for me uh, as far as a scale of one to ten to make it to the to co- for the college uh, football playoff. Right. And and are we are we doing Notre Dame too? Or are we just doing the three other teams? All four. All, All four. four. Okay. Yes. All right. So. Over the next four or four years, I have yeah, no. This is, this is we're rating the chance that okay. all four of them make it within the next five years. Oh, oh, I thought we were doing them individually. Okay, no, so no, yeah. no, 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 no. Okay. Yeah. Oh man, I have zero faith that Texas A&M can do anything <laughs> sustained outside of you know paying recruits and, and recruiting because I think that those guys right. are all going to bail over the next two years. I think you're going to see massive defection from Texas A&M. I really do believe that, you know, I think Oklahoma could be successful, but going over to the SEC, you never know what what's going to happen with them. I think probably the most consistent long-term success, I would have to say that would be, it would be Texas or Notre Dame, but I'd have no faith in Texas A&M. So I'm going to put it off that all four of them make it. I'm putting it at like a two. Yeah, One and a half, that's, two. I, I, I'm in. I'm in that range as well. You know, maybe even lower than that. But yeah, it's funny that you have no faith in Texas A&M. I mean, they they are recruiting well. You they know? are. Like, they are if, just like Notre Dame. Yeah, so, like of the like of the four, Notre Dame and Texas A&M are the two I give the best chance. I don't. I don't. You know. Oklahoma before they leave the Big 12, maybe, but again, it's like they've got a lot of questions with Brent Venables sure. taking over. You're gonna have basically you lose both of your quarterbacks from last year, both Williams and Rattler. So, you know, what's that gonna look like? You've got a defensive-minded head coach, you know, and so a lot of different questions and coming back as well. It's not like he was on the staff. So I'm I'm with you. The fact, the chance that all four of them actually do, I put it at a two. I think that, I think that Notre Dame and A and M, I give them the best chance with you know Oklahoma, right after them. But I don't think all four of them will make it. I yeah, just, that's it, tough for me. I like yeah. I said, I have I, I have faith that A and M will still be able to recruit. I you know you're in Texas, you're in some fertile ground, and with the way they're going about the NIL stuff, they're going to be able to recruit. I just don't think they can sustain it. I, I don't. I just don't see it happening. So. You know, we'll see what happens, but yeah, I, all four of them making it—that's a hard sell for me. What uh, do do we have that uh, super super chat from earlier? Can you pull it up? The original one, the one we had up earlier. Did we did we have the we super said, chat? We've only had the one, and it was this one from Troll Hunter. Oh, so so that's the one that you read earlier. Yes. Yep. Okay. All right. Yep. 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 All right. I'm having a hard time on my, you know, I'm I'm new to this function. That's all good. Side, so I was it's all having good. a hard time finding it. Trying to semi-produce over here. So we're good to go. We're good <laughs> to right. go. Keep, keep okay. it coming, baby. Fill in the blank on this next one. Ole Miss is also in the College World Series. They're in the other four-team bracket. Ole Miss football coach Lane Kiffin had a Tennessee fan tweet at him last night. Great. The guy called him poor little Lane and said that he wished that he was still a ball. I asked him how his son Knox is doing and, Here's Kiffin's response. Awesome. Thanks for asking. We're watching Ole Miss baseball advance to the College World Series. What are you doing today in Knoxville? <laughs> so Kiffin's response is blank. See, I have to measure my words here, but his response is classic Kiffin. It's classic Kiffin. Uh-huh. He is he is really good with social media as far as being petty and hilarious 
all at the same time. I, and he is not afraid. He doesn't care what anybody thinks. He's just going to throw it out there and see what happens. And I am here for Lane Kiffin's social media responses. I love it. I absolutely love it. And it was fantastic. I, I was hoping he would say something specific about Notre Dame in there. But the fact that he's just like, yeah, hey, what are you guys up to? Not advancing to the World Series. Like that was that's right. Classic. It's just it's classic Kiffin. It was. And you know, it's it's really the kind of Lane Kiffin content that I want to see on Twitter. You know, it's like <laughs> I actually follow him because that's I, I want I want the I want the Kiffin entertainment. And he brought uh-huh. the entertainment yesterday. Yes, Have you seen the, the Twitter account he's got for his dog now, too? <laughs> no, I didn't hear about that. No. Yeah, he's got like a little uh uh Yellow lab puppy. Okay. Yeah. I okay. Can't remember, I can't remember its name, but I, yeah. So he, he's got his own Twitter account. And so, you know, his of dog is, does. yeah. So it's, of it's course he good does. Stuff. Yeah. That's All right. Classic. It's June 13th, 2022 Vince. scale of one to 10. How much more confident are you today in the overall state of Notre Dame football than a year ago at this time? I am a lot more uh, confident than I was a year ago, and I didn't even realize that I wasn't confident a year ago. And I think that's the interesting part about that question is we didn't know what we didn't know this time last year. And so, I I mean, I'm going to put it at like an eight and a half, eight and a half, nine in that neighborhood because – you know, it was Brian Kelly's show. You know, Brian and I had talked behind the scenes a lot about, you know, who Brian Kelly was and, and, and how he handled his business and all of those different things. And But we were resigned to the fact that he was going to be at Notre Dame until he decided he didn't want to be at Notre Dame. Yeah. And who knew how long that was going to be? You know, just, is Notre Dame going to have to go win a national championship first? Or, you know, what is Notre Dame going to have to do with Brian Kelly in charge for Brian Kelly to leave? And we, man, we war-gamed that one an awful lot, trying to figure out what it would take. And For sure. we couldn't come up with it, to be honest with you. So, you know, you kind of ride that train. You 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 understand who you are and where you're at. And you're like, okay, well, you know, Notre Dame's doing a pretty decent job on the recruiting trail. The schedule is what it is. They're playing the ACC, et cetera. You know, Notre Dame should – you know, I felt pretty good about a 10-11 win season going in last mm-hmm. year. I feel the same way about this year coming up. But I have so much more confidence in the future of Notre Dame, where they're headed, who's in charge, the way that they're doing things is just completely different. So my confidence level has skyrocketed since the, since last year, but I'd had no idea that it needed to, if that makes any sense. Yep, absolutely. Got another uh, super chat there from Matt welcoming me and saying looking forward to the show so thank you very much Matt. Thanks, Matt. appreciate it appreciate that's right appreciate that absolutely appreciate it yeah it's like you know everything you're talking about there's just such a you know a renewed energy everybody you know everyone yes. has seen it and you see it no better place than recruiting which is if they were going to take the next step that's what they had to have you know you had to make the move in recruiting and and, and get these elite guys and like you know there was that clip I think it was maybe early last week of of when CJ Carr was was at the camp and Marcus Freeman's kind of playing with him and stuff like yeah. that. It's like this guy just gets it, you know. Yeah. He he relates to these guys so well and it's just so different than it, than what we've seen before and you know this is this is what you got to have today. You've got to have a, a 
a coach who can relate to these guys right. and not right. just be essentially an authority figure all the time. So look, mine is through the roof as what, well. you yeah. know, it may or may not actually happen. You know, I think we all think that it's going to get better, but there's just so much more excitement right now. You know, it's like the scenario that we got is essentially, you know, like, like you said, those sort of war game scenarios that people have been playing over the last few years, like, yeah, you know, the whole, the whole question about, well, if, Brian Kelly were to retire tomorrow, who would be the next head coach, you know, trying to get yourself excited about who, what the possibilities might be, you know, while knowing, you know, like deep down that it probably was never going to happen. Right. But here it is. Exactly. And and I, you know, remember when Marcus Freeman was hired, what about a year and a half ago at this point, it was in January, Uh I do believe. And I was at a, a Mishawaka basketball game and I went and did a podcast with Brian in the hallway before the game would start. <laughs> and uh, we, we were talking about the hiring of Marcus Freeman and the excitement for Marcus Freeman as a defensive coordinator. Everybody said, oh, he's going to be the next head coach. He's going to be the next guy, you know, and everybody's like, OK, pump the brakes. You know, you could be excited about Marcus Freeman. but Brian Kelly's not going anywhere. Everybody, right. everybody just, you know, take a chill pill. It's not going to happen. And here we are 18 months later and he's the head coach. I mean, well, it was. 11 months later at that time, right? When he became the head coach. So who knew that things could change at Notre Dame so stinking quickly and so much for the better. I mean, I was, I was at uh, the camp on Sunday night for football and, you know, it was 175 guys were at that camp and there was maybe one or two that might play at Notre Dame someday. Right. Marcus Freeman was out there chit chatting with the entire camp, just going up back patting guys, high-fiving guys, talking to guys, and I can tell you for fact that was not Brian Kelly. Okay, he would come oh, out for the he would come out for the the uh, the photo op where he would stand there and there would be a line of kids and put his arm around him, picture, picture, do the, do the picture, fake smile. And, you know what yeah. I mean? Like that yeah. was what he would do, and then he'd be gone. You know, he'd get on his golf right. cart and be gone. Marcus Freeman was hanging out at the whole camp. You know, going up to guy. It just it's just a completely different environment than it was before, and it's exciting and it's refreshing and it's yep. awesome. Thanks to Alan Watson for his super chat as well. You're right. All sports are looking up right now. You know, there's just across the board, there's, there's uh, so much. And it's just like, again, for me, as someone who is part of Notre Dame baseball for a few years, it is so awesome right now to, you know, just to see this breath of fresh air yes. come back. You know, the big, the big question going forward is, how long is, is yeah. that guy going to, you know, stick around? But How long is the honeymoon going to last too? Yeah. You know, I mean, if, What's what's going to happen for things to take a negative turn, right? Is right. it a blowout in the horseshoe? Is it a you know losing a game you're not supposed to win? Because that happens to all coaches. But what's that going to be like? I think that's a big question mark right now. Yeah, uh, especially after the Fiesta Bowl and the way that went down. You know, to have that kind of lead and and to see it get away, right? Because you can you can forgive it because okay you've got an interim head coach had to scramble things together you've never mm-hmm. been a head coach you know all those different things you can write it off yeah you know as disappointing as it is you can still write it off but now it's all on now you've got to right. show up you've got to show up september 3rd you right know? you've just got to and that's what we've got to look forward to what do we yes, got sir. we've got less than 100 days until we get there <sighs> as well crazy crazy well vince I think we're gonna. Are we gonna table? We're gonna table the good we'll table. We'll okay. save. All right. We'll, we'll save our. We'll save our big gun stuff okay. for tomorrow. We've got a lot of topics. I want to get to pulmonary though. Yes. Because it's it's uh, 
not a long conversation, but it's it's a steady conversation. I we love talked listening a lot to about Paul. a lot of great stuff. <laughs> That's right. I do. I love listening to Paul, and I, I do want to piggyback real quick off of your comment about him being like one of the nicest humans out there, as well as one of the best college football coaches of, I mean, college baseball coaches baseball, of all time. Yeah. Uh, he, I, I did some games with you back in the day, you know, when you, when, when we first met and you had a blast doing that, doing some color with you. And he didn't have to know me in any way, shape or form, but I, he went out of his way to at least know my first name, you know, when we would pass our, our paths would cross and, uh, acted like we were old buddies, you know what I mean? And, and that those kind of small gestures mean a ton. And he didn't have to do that. It, there was right. no reason for him to do that. You know what I mean? And he probably doesn't remember me 20 years later, but he remembered me in the moment and he called me by my first name and he was genuine about it. And I will always remember that. He was a, he's just a genuine, genuine man. Yep, absolutely. And we're going to, uh, with that, I'll wrap it up with you tonight. I will talk to you tomorrow night, sir. Yes, sir. We'll have more Notre Dame baseball talk, College World Series. Of course, we'll have a lot more Notre Dame football talk tomorrow as well. So uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll be doing a little bit of both all week, the rest of the week. Looking forward to it, my friend. It was uh, it was a fun first show. Glad to have you in here tonight. Yeah, baby, kicking it off the inaugural show, and uh, we're, there's more coming, people. So tell your friends. <laughs> right. Make sure you're here six o'clock Monday through Thursday because we got some good stuff coming for you guys. That's right. So with that. I'll say goodbye to my friend Vince D'Addario for tonight, and I will uh, switch off, and I will bring in my very first guest. And, you know, to, to have a guest like this on uh, on the debut edition of the show is pretty awesome. So I'll just go ahead and do that right now, I guess. It's been 20 years ago this month that Paul Maneri led the 2002 college uh, Notre Dame baseball team to the College World Series, and that, of course, at that time, ended a 45-year drought from Omaha for the Fighting Irish. Paul left a few years later. He takes over at LSU, wins a national championship in 2009, and five overall trips to the College World Series at LSU. But he is with us right now. He, like a lot of the rest of us, was uh, watching on TV over the weekend. Very, uh, very tense down in Knoxville, Tennessee, a place that you have some experience with, Paul. First of all, it's it's always great to talk to you. Usually, we you know we have to do this on the phone, so it's kind of cool to get, actually get to see your face this time. Yeah, it's good to see you again, Sean. Of course, uh, we got to see each other not too long ago at the reunion up in South Bend. But uh, it's great to be with you today to talk about the Irish and the College World Series. Doesn't that just sound great to see, have those words all together? Man, it does. And you know, again, you know, nail biters over the weekend with with Link Jarrett and his Irish taking down the number one volunteers. So just just maybe kind of start with uh, some of your thoughts on on seeing this Notre Dame team, a place that is still so near and dear to you, Notre Dame, seeing Link and and uh, taking these Irish back to Omaha again twenty years later. Well, obviously, I was watching uh, very intently, like all Irish fans. Um, I, follow, I followed the team very closely this year. Actually, over the last couple of years, even though I was still working last year, I told that, you know, I went up to um, uh, South Bend, Sean, and I think it was for the Cincinnati football game, if I'm not mistaken, early October. And I went to visit uh, my son, Nick, who works at Notre Dame and got to see my grandson and daughter-in-law. And we were taking a walk around campus um, on Friday afternoon, or actually around noontime. 
and my text, uh, my phone buzzed with a text message and it was from Link. And uh, basically he was saying, hey, I heard you're on campus, come by practice today. So I said, okay, and he told me the time. So when I got there, to my surprise, he wanted me to talk to the team, to address the team. Yeah. I thought that was so nice of him to do that. And and it was really a, a, a special moment for me. And And let me tell you what I told the kids, okay? I told him, first of all, this is the first time that I've talked to a Notre Dame team in 16 years. Wow. Uh, I left 15 years earlier and, uh, you know, I've been at LSU all these years, but it was special for me to talk to the, to the kids that made up the, the Notre Dame team, because I know how special those young men are to get in, to gain admission into the university, to go to Notre Dame with, uh, dealing with the weather issues and some of the other things that you have to deal with in baseball. Uh, I, I knew something about the makeup of those players, even though I didn't know them personally. So it was great to stand there in front of them and to talk to them. And um, and I told them, I said, look, I followed your team very closely last year while we were uh, getting beat in the Super Regional in Knoxville. Uh, I still was watching your games on television that weekend and um, it reminded me so much of our 2000 team when uh when excuse me our yeah it was our 2000 team right Sean when we went to Starkville yes and and um I said it reminded me so much of our 2000 team when we went to Starkville and we battled and battled and battled so hard uh we had two great victories against Tulane and come from behind fashion we played Mississippi State in the winner's bracket game. They beat us by seven runs. So we had to beat them twice on the last day. We beat them the first game by seven runs like they had beaten us. And the final game, the if necessary game, went to the bottom of the ninth inning tied, and we lost on a walk-off home run. But our players, despite the disappointment of losing the game and, and losing the tournament on the last day, they showed the entire country and especially those people in Starkville what their what their character was and, and how good of players they were and how hard they battled to the point that when I returned to South Bend, I think I had 500 email messages from Mississippi <laughs> State fans expressing their admiration for our players, for our team, for our program. So when I watched the 2022 uh, 2021 uh, fighting Irish playing in Starkville just brought back so many memories of that unbelievable weekend back in 2000. And then I explained to the guys that although we lost that series, that, that, that regional, and although you guys lost the super regional, I know our team but way back then grew from that experience so much that it gave us unbelievable confidence the next couple of years because the core of that team in 2000 basically returned for the next couple of years. And in yeah. 2002, when they were seniors, Steve Stanley, Paul O'Toole, Andy Bushy, Matt Strickroth, all that group of guys, when they, when they were seniors, we were able to kick in the door and get to Omaha. And they all reflected back on that experience they had in Starkville as being a key part of their development into that team. So I told them when I looked at your team, it just reminded me so much of our team back in 2000 and the gritty attitude that they displayed, 
how tough they were, the composure, the poise, the ability, all those things. And uh, I said to them, I'm going to predict that you guys are going to find a way to win this year in the postseason and make it to Omaha. I'm predicting that. And when you get to Omaha, I'll be there rooting for you. <laughs> and that is that is happening this week, right? Just to confirm, I was on a little text chain with, with uh, some of you and your 2002 players. It, uh, you're going, and sounds like at least a handful of uh, other players are, are heading out to Omaha this weekend as well. I'll be I'll be getting in there on Wednesday. My wife doesn't want to miss the opening ceremonies on Thursday. Always so uh, yeah, so I'll be there Friday, uh, whatever time the Irish play, and I'll be wearing my Notre Dame garb to uh, show everybody clearly who I'll be rooting for. That's for that's, sure. And how ironic is it? How ironic is it that they're playing Texas? who was the team that when I was at LSU that we beat for the national championship. So hopefully the Irish will, uh, will prevail in game one and, and go on through the, through the entire week. Sean, I honestly believe they can win the whole thing. What, uh, you know, TD Ameritrade park, Paul, you you know, you've been there several times, obviously your national championship came when it was still at Rosenblatt, but you played, you know, the college world series when, once it moved down the hill to uh, TD Ameritrade park. And, you know, it's a big park and it plays big and it can affect some teams offensively, but it, it just seems to me that, that, you know, this, this Notre Dame team is, you know, they're not power reliant like a Tennessee for example, they hit some home runs, but they can do a lot of other things. And it, it seems like that's an offense that can play well to that big park. What do you think with all the experience you have there? Well, Sean, first of all, they've changed the name of the stadium from TD and Trade to Charles. And I knew Street. that, and I keep yeah. forgetting that. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> I, I, I I thought about it when you just said it. but I think um, it's Charles Schwab, right? <laughs> right. When we, um, when we won the championship in 09, uh, the next year, 2010, was the last year of Rosenblatt Stadium. So the first year in the new ballpark was 2011. When we went there in 2013, I was pretty amazed at how big the park was. I think there were three home runs total hit in the tournament that year mm-hmm. in 2013. We had the number one team in the country going into the uh, College World Series. And uh, we had a great team. Alex Bregman was a freshman and so forth. And the first day we played UCLA in the afternoon game, I thought we hit four balls that would have been home runs in any park in the SEC. And only one of them went out of the ballpark. And, it, and I thought it was in the, over the bullpen and it barely scraped the fence as it got out of the park. The other three were all caught at the wall and I thought they were long gone. We ended up losing that game to UCLA two to one uh, behind Aaron Nola pitching for us. And it was a devastating loss. Um, we ended up losing as well to North Carolina in a game. I think the score was five to three, if I'm not mistaken. And it was another close, low scoring game. Um, what I realized when we played there was that you have to have speed in the outfield. You have to have guys that can cover the ground. And I think Notre Dame has that. You know, I think they've got guys that can run in the outfield, cover the ground. Myers is really good in center field. Hopefully uh, Cole, you know, his leg is feeling good enough that he can cover the ground out there. And and uh, Ketsy, I think, is a, is a really good outfielder in right field. So I think that's huge. 
But I think the key, too, is to keep the ball down in the ballpark, get as many ground balls as you can, and let your defense play. And nobody has better infield defense than Notre Dame. Right. Uh, You know, it's key to throw the ball over the plate, not give them free passes. And I think that that Notre Dame staff has shown – that they're that's the way they pitch. You know, they're going to challenge the hitters and make them make them hit the ball and let their defense play. Offensively, the fact that Link likes to let the guys run and they occasionally hit and run and they hit in the clutch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I think that they'll be fine in that ballpark. It, it play in all honesty, it plays a lot like Frank X Stadium can play. Right. Of course, it's not artificial turf, but you know, Frank X Stadium can play pretty big when the wind is blowing in off Lake Michigan, especially. Sure early in the season. Yep. But when we went there in 2012, uh, excuse me, 2017, we took an LSU team there. And that week the wind actually was blowing out. So it made the park really fair. And I think we hit eight home runs while we were out there that year and made it to the finals against Florida. Unfortunately, the wind shifted those last two games and we didn't have quite the uh, offensive firepower that we showed earlier in the tournament. But depending on how the wind blows is how the park will play. But I think Notre Dame is equipped, whether it's a low-scoring game or whether it's a higher-scoring game, to be able to prevail against Texas or anybody else that they play. Sure. Link, obviously, has been to Omaha as a player from back in his Florida State days, but this is his first experience as a head coach. And again, you know, 2002, you know, every coach who takes a team to Omaha, there's a first-time for everybody. So, you know, what, what are maybe some things that a, that a first time head coach needs to go going into that environment out there? Well, there's, there's almost nothing you can do to really prepare even a coach for it because it's the culmination of a dream. All of us as coaches grow up dreaming of taking a team to the college world series. And now link is experiencing that, you know, I I've said this many times, Sean, it's no, it's no hidden fact. You know, I was able to take six teams to Omaha and win a national championship one of those years. But out of all the experiences I've ever had, taking the Notre Dame team there in 2002 will always be the highlight of my coaching career. The first time you go and to take a school and a group of kids as special as you develop there at Notre Dame will always stand out for any coach that has that opportunity to do that. And Lincoln, I are the only, t- well, Jake Klein did it as well, but back then it wasn't quite as an exciting event as yeah, it is. The only now. modern coaches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Lincoln, I will be the only two Notre Dame baseball coaches that will have experienced that. And, you know, the magic of the name Notre Dame and the college world combined with the college world series just makes for a really special experience for everybody. So listen, link link is, you know, he's he's got enough experience as a coach and he's had the experience of playing in a great program. And the one thing you can see about this team from Notre Dame that stands out to me is their maturity and their poise and their self-confidence. And they, they just know how to win. You know, they're, they, they remind me so much of the group of kids that I took there way mm-hmm. back in 2002. And, and it really that whole time, not the 2001 team, the 99 team, and then the years after, of course. And uh, I think these kids are going to show a lot of composure, a lot of poise. And they're going to realize, you know, that it's just a baseball game. There'll be a big crowd there, of course. Um, and the stakes are awfully high. 
but they just got to do what comes natural to them. And I believe that will be good enough for them to be very successful there. Well, you know, when when you start looking at similarities, I mean, if you look, you know, you can find similarities, but something that stands out to me is the preparation. You know, there's, there was never a pulmonary team that wasn't prepared when they took the field. And one of the trademarks of, of your teams, you know, especially from an at bat approach at bat to at bat, you guys were able to adjust so much. They were so prepared and, and they were able to make those adjustments over the course of the game. And I I look at Link's team and his guys at the plate. They just, they never seem to be fooled by too much. Does, does that kind of strike you as well? Very much so. Um, yeah, first of all, not only Link, but his whole staff has been outstanding. Right. You know, Chuck Rostano has done a tremendous job with his pitching staff and and uh, um, um, Rich Wallace and in, in the team that he put together through recruiting and the work that he's done with the with the players. Um, they, but, they, you know, the hitters have an unbelievable level of maturity up there at the plate. In our business, they just call those guys tough outs. You know, you have to really grind to get them out because they're going to grind right back at you. They're not just going to give away at bats. They have good eyes at the plate. They battle with two strikes. If you make a mistake, they can hurt you. You know, the the, the double that putts hit the other day the, to, to extend the lead was an unbelievably clutch hit. You know, uh, little Lamana, the catcher, reminds me so much of Bob Lasani, who was my first catcher at Notre Dame. A little bit undersized, but a scrappy, hard-nosed kid. You know, probably not going to hit 400, but he's going to come through with so many clutch hits for you, you know. And they, they they just have that makeup about them. And I'm sure that in large part it's because of the way, the way that Link has coached the kids. Uh, they seem to have a lot of confidence in in each other. You know, the, the coaches have a lot of confidence in the players, and the players have a lot of confidence in the yeah. coaches. And that's a magical thing, especially at a place like Notre Dame, where, you know, respect and trust is are the hallmarks of of what everything is about there. So, yeah, they, you know, watching them, watching them at the plate and make, you know, that play that Brannigan made the double play to end the game. It looks very routine to fans that are watching. He, he made it look like it was he was taking fungos in pregame, mm-hmm. how calm and cool he was. You know, perfect mechanics, perfect throw to second base. Miller turns a double play, putts, stretches, catches the ball, just like they've probably done in practice a thousand times. Yeah. You know, at the end of uh, Sunday's Super Regional clincher down there in Knoxville, the uh, you talked about that that talk that you had with the team uh, back in the fall, and the uh, the current players. I thought this was really cool. They brought this 2002. College World Series banner, that huge banner, and there, you know, there are pictures of it. You saw it, you know, on the end of, of the uh, the TV broadcast, and they were they were waving that around out there. And I know you were watching. What did that mean to you to see that, Paul? With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. 
To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Sean, it, I, I can't even describe in words what that meant to me and to all the players from that team. That was the flag that we started every year starting in 2002 or th- 2003. We hung a flag that displayed the previous year's greatest accomplishment. So we flew that flag during the 2003 season. And then the next year we flew a flag that said 2003 Big East champions and and so forth down the line. So I never knew what happened to that flag, but obviously somebody took good care of it. I understand that they kept that in their locker room all year, but when they, when they showed on television, them, holding that flag in front of their team. I'm not ashamed to tell you that I lost control of my emotions. I, I was sitting all by myself in my little theater room here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, crying my eyes out because it meant so much to me, not, not just because it was our team, but just to see that there's a group of kids that value history and tradition and celebrate history and tradition so many times in our world today it's all about me 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 and this was a group of kids that demonstrated clearly how much they respected that group 20 years ago and the accomplishments of the program and how proud they were now to etch their names into irish lore and they'll become legends you know in 20 years from now hopefully a team will be holding a flag that says you know, 2022 national champions or 2002, 22 college world series. It meant so much to me and to all of the players um, that, that the current players recognize those that have laid the groundwork for where they are now. Just, it made us so proud and it just overwhelmed me emotionally. And obviously, you, you know, that 20 year reunion that you talked about, you guys came back to town in April and, and you got to, you know, not spend quite as much time with the current team anyway, but, you know, you guys threw out the first pitch and did some of that, got a little bit of interaction over there. So that that had to be pretty cool for both of those teams as well. Well, as I mentioned, Sean, I, I had the opportunity to speak to the team back in October, right. and I told our players about me. I, I told our 2002 players about how I had spoken to the team and how much this team reminded me of them. And after we all went out to the mound to throw out the first pitch, I don't know if you noticed this, but when we came off the field, every single member of the current team shook hands with every current member of the 2002 team. And, you know, and and I could hear some of the comments that they were saying between each other. It wasn't just a, you know, like high five, you know, work your way through the line, like at the end of a ballgame. They would literally shake each other's hands, look each other in the eye and exchange like, you know, you can do it, guys. We're proud of you. Hey, thank you for 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 what you did for the program. You know, I mean, there was so much great interaction. Right. And, And I'll tell you, our whole team, we just our whole 2002 team. We love watching this 2022 team play. They just remind us so much of ourselves, probably a little bit more talented than we were. Um, 
they've got some real power arms and boy, that left-hander, that young freshman Finley that he, he, he I mean, he's left-handed, but you know, you could close your eyes and think of Niesel and, and Johnson, you know, yeah, that's right. And um, you know, Rayo and, and the, geez, the, the, the job that Bertrand has done. I mean, they just, you know, it, it, it's a great team. And I told Link, you know, last year, and I told him again this year early, Link, that your team has the it factor. You know, in athletics, you can't define the word it. Just some people and some teams have it. And it's something special. And and, and they have it. And I, and, and, it, and it, it makes me so proud to see them play the game the way that they're playing it. Um, to, you know, just me as a somebody who put my heart and soul into the program for 12 years and all those players that care so deeply about the program, to see them back doing the playing the game the way that they're playing it and succeeding and going, you know, ultimately now going to Omaha, it just it makes our chest burst with pride. Paul, this success is great, obviously. You know, everyone wants to get to the College World Series, but, you know, we know what what comes with that up here when you're talking about Northern coaches having this kind of success. You you know, you dealt with it for years before you ended up going to LSU, but you you, you did ultimately go, and, you know, there's already stuff swirling around with, with Link Jarrett. I guess when you look at support for the program, because he has obviously shown that, you know, I think what you two both demonstrate is you can win up here, but you have to have the right person, you know, in, in charge up here. So what, 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 especially as someone who has been up here a few times now, what can be done, you know, to, to really for, for the, the school, the, you know, the athletics to show full support for the program, you know, in terms of investing, you know, not just for this year, but, but going forward as well. It's a, it's a good question, uh, Sean. It deserves a good answer. But, you know, I, I can't speak for the athletic administration or for the president of the university. You know, they, they have to make decisions every day about where where to use their resources. Um, you know, the, the, the negative is that whether it's because of the weather or the facility or whatever, but you can't classify the baseball program as a revenue producing program. Yeah. The difference at LSU is, you know, we had 11,000 fans a game and we generated a couple million dollars in revenue every year. So you got treated at LSU like Notre Dame basketball would be treated. Okay. I don't think that's going to happen necessarily at Notre Dame unless, you know, you know, they have a, a, you know, a, um, I don't know what the word is, but, uh, you know, somebody comes down from the heavens and tells them you better support this baseball program. Okay. Um, listen, when link took over, I told link, there's going to be some things that are frustrating about coaching at Notre Dame, because it's not going to be the same playing field that you're going to be on with sec schools or ACC schools in the South, I should say. Right. And, um, you know, their facilities are bigger, the weather's better, you know, the admission standards are looser, <laughs> the cost is, isn't as great. I mean, there's a lot of things that you're going to have to overcome when you're at Notre Dame. But we proved we could overcome them, and now Link has proved that they could overcome them. Yeah. And, and the key is the leadership. 
because see, I wouldn't let anybody make excuses. Nobody ever heard me give excuses and I wouldn't let the players have any excuses. And when they complained about things, I would get upset with them. And I would tell them, look, nobody put a gun to your head and told you you had to come here. You came here because of these certain factors that were important to you. Those things haven't changed just because we got a bad day of weather or we're going to have to play in cold weather or, or we have to drive to O'Hare Airport to fly commercially, you know, to wherever we're going. So, for you know, adjust your attitude and, and get your attitude in the right winning frame of mind. And I think that advice to Link, I think he really took that to heart. So now the question is, because he's done so well, will he stay? You know, people, I hope people aren't mad at me for leaving and going to LSU, Sean. I, I actually turned down a half a dozen jobs that nobody oh, ever knew about. You know, I, I love Notre Dame and I, I had every intention of staying there the entire my entire career. It was just that one school for me, LSU, because I had gone to school there. I met my wife here. I had a lot of friends down here in Louisiana. And South Louisiana was going through a particularly tough time because it was a year after the hurricane Katrina had gone through. It had devastated so much of South Louisiana. And the baseball program, which had been such a huge source of pride for South Louisiana, was really kind of in the doldrums at that point. And I thought, well, if I go there and and we can kind of return the program to glory, maybe that will help in the recovery down here. I know that sounds kind of silly, but what else can a baseball coach do? You know, I mean, I, I, I couldn't build hospitals for him. So That's it, right. it was the way I felt that I could do it. And there was a little part of me, too, that said, you know, can I, if I go out and test myself against the other teams in the SEC, which is kind of thought of as the best conference in the country, you know, could I succeed? And I needed to kind of find that out for myself. Now, the difference with Link, well, I know he's only been there three years, but he is in the ACC. So he is already testing himself Mm -hmm. against some of the very best teams in the country. Okay. So from an emotional standpoint, you know, from that standpoint, I, I don't think he needs to go somewhere else to prove to himself that he can do it. He can do it. Okay. And he's shown that in, in a, you know, arguably the, one of the top two conferences in the country. The, you know, the question is, is there something out there that would lure him because, you know, there's, there's, you know, an emotional tie to it, or there's right. some other reason for it. Okay. I don't know what goes through Link's mind. I don't pretend to know him that well, that I could tell you what he's thinking. He's never said anything to me or insinuated that he was looking to leave I think he genuinely loves Notre Dame like I did, and he's done a tremendous job. And I hope he, I hope he decides to stay there for the rest of his career. Um, you know, but I know there are things that are frustrating. You know, people talk about the facility. You know, when Sean, when I took over the program in the fall of 94, um, the stadium was one year old. Pat Murphy was the coach when they built the stadium. He stayed one more year and left for Arizona State. Okay. Mm-hmm. When when I took over, that facility was considered kind of the Taj Mahal of baseball facilities in the Midwest. Yeah. But after that, you know, other schools started to to build. Michigan built, Cincinnati built, Louisville built, who was in Purdue our conference. Um, yeah. So, you know, be, 
it's just like when we built here at LSU, we built the stadium here. First year was our national championship year in 2009. But other teams now have built in the SEC. And so now LSU stadium is probably middle of the pack in the SEC. Mm. Florida spent $75 million on a new stadium. Um, Mississippi state spent a hundred million dollars. Wow. You know, all these unbelievable facilities are going up. So I don't know if it's the facility that is, uh, would be a concern, but there's other things that they can do, you know, like, you know, traveling to and from South Bend is really hard yeah. when you get on airplanes all the time, maybe charter airplanes, you know, things like that are enough enticement to keep a quality coach there. You know, I, I didn't leave because of any of those things. No, I just, I just left because of the reasons I told you, I, you know, I was there for 12 years and I could have left, you know, many times, but I didn't want to because nothing for me compared to Notre Dame. It was just that one school. I don't I don't know if Link has a school like that or not, you know, if if that will be that attractive to him. But whatever whatever he decides, you know, he's got to do what's best for him and his family. Uh, he's done a tremendous job there. And I think people should re remember that if he does, in fact, decide to leave. Yeah. I think that school down there in, in Florida could be lurking. I guess we'll find out here in the weeks to come. But hopefully big things happen in Omaha first before any of that happens. Well, that's going to be exciting to see him take on the Longhorns this week. Sean, you know, all that talk about him going to Florida State because the news broke about the coach being let go on Friday, the day of the first uh, Super Regional. Super, yeah. It didn't seem to distract the guys from doing no. the job this past weekend. So hopefully all that talk will be put on the shelf. And, you know, this is a once in a lifetime experience for these kids. And, you know, I'm sure they love Link, but I don't think they're going to be overly concerned with that at this point. They just want to go to Omaha and succeed and, and play great. And uh, and I think they will. Paul, it is always great to talk to you. Um, enjoy your trip out there. I look forward to seeing you out there. We're, we're hopefully going to have a lot of blue and gold and green and you know, shamrocks and all that kind of good stuff. So look forward to seeing you out there, hopefully. Uh, sounds good, Sean. I'm, I'm looking forward to the trip. You know, Friday is my wife's birthday, and we had planned on a little trip, you know, somewhere else to celebrate her birthday. But after the game was over, she actually came into the theater room and said, let's go to Omaha for my birthday again. You know, it's funny, when I decided to retire last July, one of the first things she said to me is, I guess we don't have to keep celebrating my birthday in Omaha anymore. <laughs> and here it is, first year out. We're on our way back because of the Irish. <laughs> well, and of course, Friday is also the 20-year anniversary of the comeback win over Rice. And coming up this week, I've got a three-way, I guess it's four-way, but I've got Steve Stanley, Steve Solman, Brian Stavisky, all together, we're uh, we're going to relive that ninth inning. So that's going to uh, be fun. We're going to do that on the show. So I relive that ninth inning about every day in my mind. <laughs> I bet special, you do. Special day, special day. There's a picture that I found of you hugging Steve Stanley. You you've got him kind of wrapped around the head, and I I told Steve that uh, you know you look like you look like you were just holding on to him for dear life in that photo and and uh well, that I mean, exactly. wanted it to end and unfortunately it didn't end that day well we were losing by a run and we were facing a really tough pitcher that had not given up a run in the entire postseason yeah and there was one out and when steve hit that ball in the right center field gap 
and he was coming around second and I was waving him to third. I was making deals, deals with God right there that if he's allowed to be safe here, I promise I'll never do anything wrong again the rest of my life. <laughs> so when he slid into third base, the only thing I could think of was to just give him a big hug down there. Yeah. And then, of course, I, I told him that I, there's nobody in the world I would rather have up right now than Steve Solman. And he came through with the base hit up the middle. And then Brian Stavisky hit that home run, Sean, oh. and it was against the wind. In right field. And I still don't don't understand how that ball ever got out of the park because he he just absolutely crushed it into the wind. Well, and that's, you know, just like you said, Justin Crowder, and this is a a lefty who ends up being drafted by the Oakland A's, just like Stanley and Stavisky that same season. Was that right? But uh, he hadn't given up a run the whole postseason. And in Mm -hmm. a stretch of seven pitches – yeah. Three three batters, a triple, an RBI single, and a walk-off home run. Just so amazing the way that whole thing unfolded. Well, I think about it all the time, and I'm grateful to and feel very blessed to have had the experience with those kids. And it's something I'm, I hold on to, and I will hold on to forever and ever and ever. Paul, again, it is always great. I better let you get going here, and you, you, know, you, you and Karen can get packing and enjoy some gestos <laughs> for, for her birthday on Friday as well. So, <laughs> All right. Sounds good, Sean. Go Irish. All right. And uh, that's going to do it for tonight. We, you know, we went, you know, this was supposed to be an hour long show and here we are. It's like 20 after seven right now. So we've been going for a while. Uh, Vince was with me to start the show with rapid fire tonight. We did, you know, get some questions tonight and, um, you know, we'll uh, we'll try to get to more of them tomorrow. We actually, like Vince and I, had questions we didn't even get to tonight, so we will uh, we'll get to more of those tomorrow. And fortunately, my mute is 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 off now. My 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 microphone is on, but but thank you, thank you for uh, for should I bring? Oh, it looks like okay. So we've got a, I mean, this is a massive super chat, and I should just say that interview with uh, Paul Maneri was recorded because of his schedule today. He couldn't be with us, you know, live tonight. But we've got a question uh, from Salty Virginia Peanuts. He said, question for Paul. Virginia was similar to Notre Dame when Brian O'Connor came. A big donor funded the baseball program. It was John Grisham. And uh, he says, you know Brian. Brian O'Connor, of course, was his pitching coach here at Notre Dame for the 2002 College World Series team. Do you see a blueprint? And, And you know, I'm not going to answer for Paul, but I would definitely say if you can find a donor like that, that would help. Um, now, the other side of that is 20 years later, John Grisham's not around the program at Virginia uh, very much anymore. He hasn't been around for a long time. He had a son on the team, and that was kind of, I'll just leave it at that. But to the specific question itself, if you could find a big donor like that, that would absolutely go a long way when you start talking about facilities and stuff like that. The, the thing is finding that guy, finding that guy or woman, whoever it happens, finding that person who is willing to make that kind of commitment to the Notre Dame baseball program. That would absolutely go a long way. We used to have a man named Frank Eck, whose you know, name you see on the ballpark and some other places around uh, campus as well. Frank Eck was a great guy. I had the pleasure of meeting him back in the day. Great guy. And he was a great benefactor to, you know, to Paul and to Pat Murphy, you know, before him and, 
and the baseball program. But, you know, that's that's the kind of person they need to find, I think, if, you know, if you are serious about facilities upgrades and those kind of things. I think that that's probably what's going to take, you know, finding that kind of big benefactor to help things out. But, you know, that's that's what the development and, you know, that department is for over at Notre Dame. They, they do have people working on that, you know, and hopefully hopefully what Link has done in this short amount of time gives a lot, you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of reason to to get out and and push it now because you get the right guy, you can be successful at Notre Dame. I think that Pat Murphy as well as, uh, you know, Paul Maneri, obviously, and now Link Jarrett have shown that. Going to wrap it up tonight. Thanks to everyone for joining us on YouTube. Appreciate all the uh, the comments that we've got, and uh, I promise that we'll get to uh, you know some more of those questions tomorrow. And and as we go on as well, we're going to be on here live on the YouTube channel Monday through Thursday every week. I'll be uh, live while I'm in Omaha at the College World Series next week. So uh, looking forward to that, and uh, we will talk to you tomorrow when we roll around. And of course, you can find us as well if you didn't you know catch us live. You can also find it, you know, all the audio platforms. You can watch the YouTube afterwards as well. So we will uh, sign off for today and we will talk to you tomorrow on the show. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.